we go. Welcome, everybody, to another edition, episode two of the Directors Club podcast. I am Jim Laskowski. I am Patrick Rapola. Yes, I am you are. Digging Joe Walsh. You better. It's amazing. You just subtract the Eagles from Joe Walsh, and then you just, oh. Yeah. Love that song. I love Joe Walsh solo. Mm-hmm. And you know what that song is from? It's from a movie by the director we are going to be discussing on episode two, and that would be Mr. Rob Zombie. Robert W. Zombie. The W stands for savings. He's um, more human than human. That's true. Uh, he's also, uh, I always thought that song would be funny if it was about Louise Guzman, <laughs> and it was more Guzman than Guzman. <laughs> I would actually really like I know to it's hear just that. about like starring in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. You should make that YouTube video. Adam Sandler movies and stuff like that. Oh God. Well, um, so how you been feeling? I, uh, you, you had a little bit of a cold before. Yeah, I'm still getting over it. I'm mostly over it now, but if my voice sounds, you they know, say it takes about two years to get over a cold. But, <laughs> you know? No, you take the you take the length of time that you right. were with the cold, and then <laughs> you you do seventy five percent of that, and that's mm-hmm. how. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah. Um, well, you you sound good. Yeah. So we'll remember be, that we'll really be fine. great movie about getting over a cold. Um, five hundred days of blowing. Yeah, uh, I really wanted that joke to work, but I couldn't think of a disease that rhymed with summer. And all I could think of something that sounded vaguely pornographic. Yeah, which is no surprise. I'm sorry, folks, about that. Um, so Jim. Yeah, I also want to bring up first and foremost, you know, a little bit of business. Okay. Yeah. Because sorry. you know, um. We do have a website. Yes. We do have a Twitter. Directorsclubpodcast.com. Yes, indeed. I hope you go and check it out. You can download stuff from there, and as well as subscribe to us in iTunes. Yes, we're on iTunes now. We got iTunes approved. Yeah. Steve Jobs himself gave us the old (laughs) thumbs up. Yep. He listened to episode one. Mad props. Yeah. He likes Cameron Crowe, though, more he's than gonna, uh, He's going to make, make a Director's Club iPod, That's true. apparently. Um, so. we, uh, we're in talks to do one of those uh, outline um, commercials. Uh, do they still do those? Or is it now no. all about that really annoying piano riff? I think it is. I think it would just be you and Justin Long defending the Apple. or I don't know, was he PC or Apple? Against John Hodgman. Oh, <laughs> oh, that John Hodgman. He always like PCs. <laughs> it's funny because I, I like John. I always see those commercials, and I like John Hodgman more than I like uh, Justin Long. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But I also kind of wanted to bring up um, two individuals who were kind enough to give us uh, plugs because um, I'm a big fan of the Row Three podcast, which is hosted by Andrew and uh, featuring Kurt and, and Matt, and all th- all those guys are awesome. Their shows are really long, but how long? Close to three hours for the most part, on average, and it's a bit long. It's a bit long-winded at times. It's like a director's they, cut they, podcast. It, it sure is. And uh, but no, seriously, uh, thanks Andrew for giving us a plug via Twitter. I, I like how you found a way and... to like just subtly diss their show in the middle of the thanks. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, obviously I... you go too long, but I'm glad in that long ass no, podcast you're I, able to fit I, in I, some kind words. I told him that yeah, the the length is fine for me because you know I I tend to take long walks. Well, not yeah. in the winter, but you know I I I, I like a three hour podcast. You know. What can I say? I, I'm I'm nuts about podcasting. Yeah. I, I mean, I love mostly movie podcasts, but uh-huh. it's, I'm glad that there's a, this huge community, and including. Um, no, I read your personal ads. Podcasting and long walks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
No. And, uh, uh, who else? Who else said uh, nice things? M Matt Gamble, who um, he, he, him, and uh, I, be I believe James, um, they host where the long tail ends, and he actually gave us an on-air plug, which was super cool of him yeah. to do. And uh, I'm also a fan of their show, and they t they they host the high and low, the high and low brow podcast. Yes. Yeah. So. They thanks, don't cover, guys. Like, cover any middle brow stuff. No. Like Book of the month club, or anything. <laughs> Right. You're never going to hear a review of Beloved on there. You never know. It's possible. They sort of randomly choose movies on Netflix instant based on the synopsis and have a, an overall theme for oh. each episode. So it's a really cool idea, I think. Sounds interesting. Yeah. No, it is. It is. They're a lot of fun. They need to put out more episodes. So, um, so Jim, you see any good movies recently? Or bad let, movies? Yeah, or? let's get to the What We Watch segment. Uh -huh. What We Watched. I should That's come up beautiful. with something a little bit better than that. Yeah, we should have, like, theme music. We probably should. No, just, like, little transitional, yeah. you know. Preferably, like, old FM morning radio kind, where it's right. just, like, parodies of classic rock songs. <laughs> well, that's what Film just, Junk kind of has It's that. Let It Be, but it's to the to tune of Let It Be, but it's about what we watched this week. Watch this week, watch this week, or something <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> I like the sound of that, actually. Yeah. Well, we could just do our own. You know, mm -hmm. we are musicians. You are a musician, that is right. So are you. You play instruments. Mm -hmm. They're in your room. Yeah. And you touch them I with do. your hands. I do. So um, I watched a couple of things. It wasn't a jam-packed kind of week mm -hmm. for for movie viewing. Very briefly, I did... Um, I'm halfway through season two already of Arrested Development, and it's easily one of the funniest shows, if not the funniest show I've ever seen. Um, so... <laughs> That's all I could say. I mean, it's Arrested like I, development people. It's a perfect show. People. I love that show. The best ensemble possibly ever, too. Um, and I just love the cutaways in ways that are a lot more clever than something like Family Guy, where it's on overload. Oh no, yeah, it's no. Arrested Development is the anti-Family Guy because Arrested Development is all about building on yes. what's come before and setting up not and payoffs that come from you know. Not just episodes from before, but seasons before. And the callbacks are great to yeah. other episodes. and Which is, strong I think, characters. ultimately why it didn't uh, pick up a lot of traction with audiences, is because it was so self-referential. Right. It's very intimidating for new uh, viewers, but yeah, no, I'm it's... very happy with the three seasons that we got. I don't think a TV show needs to go on for seven to ten t seasons to be, you know, yeah. a good run. I think Lost... <laughs> would have been a lot stronger if it would have ended a lot sooner too. Yeah, but no, I've I'm in love with that show, and th I'm so glad that Netflix Instant exists now because I oh, can catch God. up on a lot of shows that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. Um, and I also watched because I picked up the uh, Social Network DVD because I was pretty excited about the extras. David Fincher knows how to put some cool extras on his yeah. DVDs. Yeah, and I'm always interested in a making of sort of thing. And I Zodiac watched Zodiac making of was really yes. eye opening. Yeah, and he did like a whole crazy like oh this you know w with Panic Room he did like a two disc set that had like pre production, right. production, post production, oh, every excellent. little aspect. Um, Social Network is not quite as extensive as Panic Room's DVD, but it was really, really cool to watch. Um, well, they're cutting back on that stuff nowadays. Yeah. DVD market isn't what what it was in like the mid-2000s. Uh, they're actually putting a lot more extras on Blu-ray now. Right. So yeah. that's why we need to get on that, maybe. <laughs> one of I don't these know. days I'll get a Blu-ray player. Yeah. There's someone Same on, uh, here. I want someone to get on one. the 
the site I write for, Chud, he he said, the moment I get a Blu-ray player, he'll get me a copy of the Red Shoes. So there's some incentive, Ooh. <laughs> if I've ever heard of one. The Angels want to wear those Red Shoes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Did Elvis Costello ever do a uh, concert film? Speaking of Angels want to wear I don't my think Red so. Shoes. I don't think so. We should look into that. Is he not good live? Because I've never seen him live. I don't think I've even... I don't, I'm, I don't know. I've never even looked on YouTube like for him live. He a guy you would do a concert film on. Yeah, He's been around so. forever. Has He's there ever been like a documentary or something made on him? I mean, not like a full length or anything, yeah. but like something on a DVD. Someone needs to get on that. I yeah. I just want every band to have their own Stop Making Sense. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jonathan Demi is, is a god. And I liked... Um, some of the talking So, heads. yeah, I liked the making of documentary on the social network. I thought that was great, along with the feature where you see how Trent composes his music in this very closed-off crazy room with all these like keyboards on the wall and just like uh-huh. the, a very insane setup that's kind of like a wet dream for me is as, it is it composer. just does he actually hang off of a is it like the closer video does he actually hang no. from a string in the ceiling and spin around and no there's no little monkey with, with his penis <laughs> hanging out I, is there a uh, little monkey crucified no. i wish there was but <laughs> tell um, me this just tell me this no bald naked women all right. That's all I was going to ask. Right. So that was a great watch. Um, and on a little bit of a sadder note, um, I have pretty much, since Eternal Sunshine, seen every Michel Gondry movie opening day. Right. Because I'm a huge fan of him, not just because of Eternal Sunshine, but his music videos. And I like him as a visual artist. Uh-huh. Uh, Green Hornet was f- relatively disappointing, but I definitely don't hate it the way the majority of the critics have. Like they have, have a lot of the critics say, I've mostly heard that it's just good enough. For it's fine. It's, it's relatively entertaining. Yeah, um, I wasn't it's definitely, much. It's had definitely, a really troubled production. Yeah. It's definitely Michelle Gondry's weakest film, probably. Well, I, his first one's just okay, Human Nature. It's kind of weak, but um, I just was kind of enjoying it mildly throughout it's not like anything really stood out i like some of the action scenes but it's weird it's awkward for him to make a movie like this because a lot of the a lot of this movie requires cgi and he's not a cgi director right he's more about making things organically and coming up with clever ways to get around cgi and there's a lot of goofy sort of cgi trickery in this movie and there are long stretches where it's just Seth Rogen being Seth Rogen. And at this point in time, I'm kind of tired of that. What was that sound? That's a good question. I don't we know what's causing that. No, no. We didn't get an email? No. We didn't get sure. anything. Should we get an angry email from Seth Rogen? <laughs> that would be really instantaneous. We haven't even put this out yet. Dudes, dude, but, dude's got connections. I don't know what to tell you. It's almost like he wanted to make a, a slacker superhero movie. You know, they, they want they wanted to infuse some of the super bad sensibilities of being kind of obnoxiously funny. Uh huh. But it never works. No. Uh, the the comedy never really hits unless it's Christoph Waltz being Christoph Waltz, basically, which is fun to watch. You know, just him being an over the top villain is fun to watch. I like that. Um, basically, the last half of the movie is extremely entertaining because it's just busy camera work uh-huh. in ways that I like with Sam Raimi. There's cool little montages. There's a nice organic fight sequence between um, Jay Chow, 
Is that his name? Jay Chow? Jay Chow. Yeah, and Seth Rogen, which is a lot of fun. Overall, it's barely passable for me. It's it's yeah. okay. It's worth watching once, but it's not something I'm going to own or did revisit. You, question, did you see it in 3D or 2D? I saw it in 2D because okay. I didn't want to pay the extra money. Yeah, no, I understand. You know? I, hate, I hate 3D, but I was thinking... It's a post-production. It's a post-conversion. Right, too. but I was thinking if there's one person who can make a gimmick like 3D interesting... It's mm-hmm. someone who's really good at visual gimmicks, like Michelle Gondry. I know, and but I was kind of expecting has, that. But apparently, more. the 3D is just okay. Is what I've read. Yeah. So and Cameron Diaz is pretty wasted and not well, wasted. Not wasted as in drunk, but just not is used she wasted, very well. Is she wasted in that like she's so good and that they didn't rise to the occasion of having Cameron Diaz on set? No, that's not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's never good. Well, in Vanilla Sky, nice right. call, nice callback to episode one, Jim. Yeah. So that's about, that's about it for me. Uh-huh. Um, I just watched pretty much those three things throughout the week, and I'm looking forward to having some more time next week to watch more. Yeah. So what, what did you watch, Patrick? See, I'm looking around my basement right now because um, you, you gave me a documentary um, from 2000 called Vinyl. Yes. In which a, it's about vinyl collectors, and it's really just about the mania that is collecting. Yeah, um, and it you know it could have just as easily been about comic book uh, collectors or anything, but it's any about... sort of mad hoarders, kind of like right. guys who are just obsessive. And compulsive. it's a really low uh, lo-fi kind of a movie. It's shot and edited in like low grade video. Yeah, um, probably just like a homemade camel quarter. Honestly, had. I spent a good portion of the movie looking around my basement, not because what was on screen wasn't compelling. But because it was just like an, the world's most unflattering mirror. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you could see my basement right now, there's just piles of VHSs and DVDs, and there's DVDs on the floor, and then there's books everywhere, and there's uh, two boxes, big long boxes of comics, and I'm very much related to it, and I. Um, piles of condom wrappers. Yeah, piles of condom wrappers, uh, dead hookers, live cocaine. hookers who are dying, um, <laughs> cocaine, crack cocaine, um, this new kind of cocaine called cloud cocaine, which is going to be really big in three years. You guys you guys don't even know about clouds. Um, Coke Zero. Yeah, man, I get my cumulonimbus on. Yeah. But it's an... <laughs> <laughs> it's an... It's a... Uh, so it was a very uh, kind of a personal experience watching it. I felt the same way yeah. watching it. And it's it's more of now, for me, it's the hard drive that's accumulating music more right, than right. actually collecting vinyls or CDs. Which almost feels better because you don't look around and see clutter. Yes. But it is the same thing. No, it is. Where it you is. download every episode of every podcast that you have any interest in yeah. ever it's, listening to. It's true. That's why I got an external hard drive to put it all in there. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I realize that you know I have an addictive tendency when I get really enthusiastic that about something. High, that high, and I've never seen it depicted in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's what's so great about the movie is that it completely refuses to talk about how these people like the music or listen. Like there's barely any converse, any conversation about them listening to it, right. or them being fans of certain bands. Um, it's just about the mania of collecting and the high they get mm-hmm. picking. And there's like this one scene where the main character, uh, the narrator slash director, uh, he brings home like a dozen traditional Jewish <laughs> folk records. <laughs> and this is all like, this is 
music for bar mitzvah ceremonies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he brings them home. He has no interest in listening to them at all. And he says, I would feel, and says the reason he did it was because he would feel bad leaving them there. Yeah. And that's something, like, I totally relate to. The library uh, I go to has, like, they'll let, they'll take books out of their system, and then they'll sell the used books for a dime. Yeah, they and do that with DVDs yeah. in my library. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, man, I can only imagine. But so it's like for a dime, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, oh, well, there's this book that I could possibly read someday, but it's really not, a, it's just about that high of now I have something new in my ownership. Um. So that's a really, if you can get a hold of that documentary. It's actually, I think you can watch it through Google Video. Oh, is it? Yeah, I yeah, think you can I just do a search for it. I couldn't find it on Netflix. It. Right, no, it's not available or on, on DVD. It might be available through Alan Zweep, or Zweep. Right, the, uh, the director. Yeah, oh, his, his website, you can probably get it through there. Um, that's another thing we should also do, is like get you know websites of other filmmakers that have movies, or like yeah. when we watch something. That's something that just have as like a reference to be like, hey, you can check it out this way too. No, so but um, I watched so I watched vinyl, but there's another movie great. I watched that I wanted to talk to you about because um, last week we did a bonus episode where we discussed our top ten movies of 2010, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched one of them that was on your list. Um, yeah, and you're not very happy. No, I am not. Uh, the movie was somewhere, um, and I guess my question is. Why is this movie worth like what what value does this movie have? It's the only thing I like about it is that it's detailed, like it has little details that feel very real, which is one of the reasons why I like it. Right. It's very real. It's about it's about Stephen Dorff as a movie star who has an existential crisis. He doesn't like what he does and it's about him kind of reconnect with his daughter, sort of about that, not really. Um but it's uh, it's by Sofia Coppola, and but unlike her previous movies, which I like a lot, nothing happens in it. And I'm okay with movies that are light on, I mean, for lack of a better word, light on incident. Um, Last Days by Gus Van Zandt is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, that kind of baffles me a little bit. Uh, we both differ in that I'm not a big fan of Last Days, and yeah. you're not at all a fan of this well, movie. The thing about Last Days is it has a context built into it because yeah, you know it's right. about it's the day Kurt Cobain dies. Mm-hmm. So everything he does takes on this other, like every it takes on this monumental significance, and it sort of makes you. And it, number one, the way it's shot is really hypnotizing and haunting, uh, and I really love it. And then also just it makes you sort of reflect on eating a bowl of cereal, like the act of eating a bowl of cereal. And it's not a perfect movie, but there's a lot I love about Last Days. But this. I feel it's getting a pass because it's real, but that's all there is. Like, I'm not sure, am I supposed to feel bad for Steven Dorff? I don't think it, so. Who is, he, he doesn't like his job, but he's, and he's having an existential crisis, but, you know, who isn't at that age, and he happens to be monumentally rich on top of everything? I am feel I, like she created this sort of passive way of presenting things because the character himself is very passive. Okay, but... And I, I don't am I know. supposed to applaud her for making a boring movie about someone who's bored? Because it's not hard to make a boring movie. No, like if I wanted it's... to make a movie to gross people out, I would just put like a lot of close-ups of people's fingernails coming off, or <laughs> you know, or you know, someone getting their gums sliced with a razor blade, or something like that. It's not hard to gross people out, and it's not hard to bore people. And just because that's his state doesn't make it a good movie. 
it makes it that's just what it is i and well, I, it's I, so little happens and there's no real arc uh, which is why i liked it and there's and i'm not i don't feel sorry for her like their relationship wasn't so bad i mean and not only that they tried to make the relationship seem bad in a lot of fake ways mm-hmm. like how does he not know that she ice skates if she has if he has joint custody with her like it's not that she hasn't seen he hasn't seen her for three years. No, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it's like I mean, it's it's one of those it things where forced and un, and I didn't buy it. And uh, I did. And I mean, for the whole there's thing, there's a lot of heavy-handed long shots yes. of that, like the opening shot where he's driving around. Oh my god, he has no direction. I got it, and then it goes on for another two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was brave <laughs> to do. Yeah, you know it'd be really brave. It'd be brave to make a movie that's just like a dark room and nothing happens and there's no edits, but that doesn't make it good. You know? Uh, that might be true. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I don't I'm going go to go I'm going to what's good about it. I'm going to go to like another sort of controversial move from a band that you also really dislike, uh-huh. Wilco. Yeah. They made a 12-minute audio representation of what a migraine feels like. Uh-huh. And that's not a great choice for a song. No. Not at all. Yeah, so it's a bad song. It's not a bad song. How is it not a bad song if it's just a migraine? I find that interesting. Like, I'm not saying it's something I'm going to listen to repeatedly, but I just find it, like, not only interesting but audacious that that was, like, a so, choice. It feels and so film school to me. Or it could music be. school, it could I be. guess, in that case, where it's you just get this high concept thing, and with no regard for the fact that you have viewers or listeners, um, which there's... is why I think a lot of people get pissed off at her for about this movie because that's what it comes across as. Totally, and, and it's it doesn't to me. Like again, uh, I liked I liked how it was detailed. There was a lot of little moments that felt real, but it wasn't in the service of anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I can, again, like, anyone could make something that feels real. The idea is to make a compelling story, or a compelling character, or, I don't know, make it, like, shoot it in a way that is really interesting, which isn't this. This is, it's okay, she can frame a shot, but it's not a Terrence Malick movie where the long shots are really amazing and awe-inspiring. They're okay. They're- I thought the fact that she let the scenes play out as long as she did to sort of like test the audience's patience was pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's a spectacular example of her being an asshole. <laughs> like, that's not... Maybe. Maybe to you, but I thought it was okay, cool you, to watch. I feel it's... it, But there's no merit behind it other than... It's a movie about a guy who basically has lost the ability to feel pleasure, uh-huh. and when his daughter's around, he feels a little bit of pleasure, right. and then she leaves, and he feels like shit again, and then he makes a phone call trying to connect to somebody, and he can't, uh-huh. and like he's, this movie should have just been called Enter the Void, because it is a void. It's like a, a large, you know, 90-minute representation of nothingness and i found that nothingness to be hypnotic it wasn't like i had this epiphany watching it going oh i know what that's like because i'm i don't it's not something i related to necessarily it's something i just found interesting to watch i don't think it i think it's probably her least successful movie i don't even like it as much as virgin suicides but i enjoyed watching it's the one i haven't seen by the way it's like suicides i don't know 
like I found Devil's Rejects to be far more boring than somewhere. Well, we're not there yet. I know, but I just found um, that to be a lot more tedious than no, this the, movie. The thing about Devil's Rejects is there are incidents in it. Right, it happens, but um, you do like it. So I have a, I have a like a little. But movie. we do need to move on soon. No, I have a suggestion for you. Um, <laughs> um, to you know, you know, you go and scroll down to the bottom of an IMDb page. It goes, if you like this, you would like that. So you like somewhere. You should see Andy Warhol's Empire. Okay. That's his... Uh, have you seen that? No. Okay, well, it's a 24-hour film that is a single shot of the Empire State Building. But somewhere isn't 24 hours. I know, but it feels twice as long as it needs to be. And not to me. Not it. to me. Oh, God. Not at all. Everyone, if you're listening... I mean, the only thing somewhere. I didn't like about it was, like, the, the massage scene... Because I thought that was like a complete rehash of the Lost in Translation, like my stocking yeah, scene, horrible. like and you really don't need, awkward. You don't need two stripper scenes. And you don't the, need... the lazy, ambiguous ending was kind of like, eh. That was, I was really horrible. I didn't because that did that very make, much. That but... only worked on a metaphorical sense. That didn't make sense literally. But I sat down in the middle of the theater, surrounded by people walking out, and I completely mm. understood why. It wasn't like I was right. like, what, what's wrong with these people? It's a horrible movie. No, I didn't think it was horrible. <laughs> I sat there and I was hypnotized the whole time <laughs> because I was like, wow, nothing's happening. Yeah. How interesting. How like Jim, imaginative. I have, I, have, I have another question for you. What do you find that you enjoy movies more if you don't press play? <laughs> Because then nothing happens if you just put a movie DVD in the tray. Any mo- that's that's how that's called somewhere edition. Mm. You put the DVD in the tray. You don't press play, and then you just watch the menu repeat itself. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what this movie is. It just hits the same beats over and over again. Um, uh, I you, don't think so. I mean, so, there's there's, there's scene changes. There's Fifth some... Element can turn into somewhere that way. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm giving you recommendations. I'm right. seeing what your taste is. I'm I'm mocking you. I'm sorry. I know. I don't mean to mock you. Sofia Coppola's favorite movie is Safe by Todd not... Haynes. And Safe, there is literally a six-minute scene of Julianne Moore drinking milk, and I found it absolutely hypnotizing. Again, I'm not against slow movies I'd... or long... I guess nev- definitely not against long shots. One of my favorite directors is Alfonso Cuaron, but uh-huh. um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess... Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I mean, a lot of people feel the way you do, um, so I, there must be something there, but I can't figure out what, and I haven't heard a compelling argument for it I yet. think it's a representation of the ability to not feel any pleasure. Yeah, you I know, mean, like, that's, and that's, you feel I that, find that every time you watch a bad movie, every time, that's just the feeling it. of watching a bad movie is, oh my god, there's nothing nice in this world, it's just, there's no pleasure to be had here. I keep playing with something while we're talking. I gotta stop it's doing fine. that. I'm playing with it's something too, day. but it's, it's a paperclip, so it doesn't make sound. I know. I guess I do this. It's like one of those subconscious or unconscious things I have to do. I have to be touching something. Hey Jim. Mm. Um, you know why uh, the beginning of somewhere reminded me of a nostril? <sighs> it's on the nose. <laughs> Go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> you're like Jason Alexander. I'm out. Yeah. That's a good note to end on, mm-hmm. although you're completely wrong. Yeah, well, so are you. Okay. Let's get to another potential argument, source of argument. Unless there's something else, have you did you watch anything else of note? Um, Three Women by Robert Altman is one of my new favorite Robert Altman movies. It's okay. Amazing. I got to check that out. I'm a big Robert Altman fan. And I watched uh, I Spit on Your Grave, which is really good. 
Oh, it's uh, like Cannibal Holocaust. It's one of those movies where its reputation of being like notoriously hard to watch way overwhelms the fact that it's actually a good movie. Well, good. I will. Maybe I will check that out. Within it's not. A week. It's not as hard to watch as you would think. Mm. Um, it's not very. It's not. It's long and it's bo- emotionally painful, but it's not graphic. Rape, okay. If you know what I mean. It's well, not be... any more graphic than the rape in, say, Deliverance. Right. You don't see close-ups or, you know. Well, that's important. Because, I, I, I mean, I, I realize it's considered an exploitation movie. It is. But... It's totally an exploitation. It's not It's not Ingrid Bergman. It's not The Virgin mm-hmm. Spring. Um, it's totally... In fact, one of my problems with it is it wants to be like a feminist movie about... Um, was it made after Last House on the Left? Yes, it was. Okay. It was... It came out... It was, like, made in the late 70s. Um, and now, it was, does it have a consistent tone throughout, unlike Last House yes, on the Left? Yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. I do not like Last House on the Left. I don't either. I like the remake um, more, because it's a little bit more I consistent. Spit on Your Grave is much consistent. I like the remake more as well, because while the remake wasn't really trying to be the original, right. it was at least good at what it was trying to be, mm-hmm. which is like a bleak, you know, visceral thriller, as opposed to just um, hopelessness and awfulness on film. Which is which is what you know. Last House on the Left is, but yeah. Again, Last House on the Left, the original, is like a groundbreaking movie that's a touchstone for a lot of important films and filmmakers. Whereas the remake is just a thriller. So, I'm always I'm still a little bit baffled by why Ebert loved Last House on the Left but completely hated Spit on Your well, Grave. Well, after I saw o- it, yeah, yeah. Other based other than based on his ex- viewing experience of I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. That's what I was going to say because I after I watched Spit on, I Spit on Your Grave, I um. I looked up his review, and I'm not sure I would have liked it as much either if the audience I saw it with were hooting and hollering yeah. during the rape scenes, because they're not shot, like, it's exploitation, um, but they're not shot in any kind of sexy way. It's not straw dogs where it's uh, it's implied that she likes it. It's They're just, all the rape is just acts of violence shot, you know, long and objectively. Mm-hmm. Um um, at, stylistically, so, is it similar to like uh, like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, in terms of like being really low, low key and? Uh, yeah, I know. would say that. Okay. In low, in well, then low I'm key. I'm probably give it a watch because I'm you should. I'm very interested in movies that sort of yeah, challenge me. In I that would way. not. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I remember it was a movie I was very hesitant to put on because, uh, like Cannibal Holocaust, where I was just hesitant to put on because of of its notoriety and. I love horror movies, but I don't have the best stomach for things that are too real or too unpleasant. I'll be curious to compare it to the... Uh, there's also a remake that also got horrible reviews of I Spit on Your Grave. Um, it's I, don't funny even, I think it came out last year, right? It's funny, because the original I Spit on Your Grave got horrible reviews when it came out. And it was trash as just, uh, just a piece of garbage um, wallowing in you know filth. And then in the intervening years since the... Uh, yeah, no, I don't know the, where that's your, coming from. People your computer's are hear that. agreeing with me, is what it is. It's one beep for yes. Or it's Seth Rogen again. It might be He's Seth mad Rogen that you emailing. liked I Spit on Your Grave. Um, but then, in the years since uh, when the remake came out, I Spit on Your Grave has become a classic um, exploitation movie and a touchstone for a lot of things. And now people were, you know, they hated the I Spit on Your Grave remake because it wasn't enough. <laughs> like, I Spit <laughs> on Your Grave. I think it, I think it just sort of shows... What an interesting sort of film world we live in, especially like it's. I think it's like a post-Tarantino world, uh, where these exploitation films have been elevated to uh, a different kind of cultural status. 
Well, that'd be a good segue into um, our yeah. director. Yes, it would Since be. we're at the halfway point now, and then we could just spend the rest of the half getting into Mr. Rob Zombie. Rob W. Zombie. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are about to enter a world of darkness. A world where life and death are meaningless, and pain is God. That is a clip from Rob Zombie's debut film, House of a Thousand Corpses. Now state your case here for Mr. Rob Zombie, um, if you like. I need to yeah, I need to clarify a few things. I don't think Rob Zombie is a good director. He uh, he he started off, he directed all of the White Zombie and uh, Rob Zombie music videos. Which are good. Um yeah. But he's very much a music video director. Um his style when especially when things get crazy is just a lot of quick cuts. Um, he shoots a lot, and then he pieces it together later. It's a very music video approach. Um, I don't even necessarily think he's a good writer. He has this insane preoccupation with hillbillies, um, and, and he has sort of a early Kevin Smith thing where he just has to have the word fuck in there all the time, whether or not it really fits in the dialogue. Uh, and he actually has the thing that Cameron Crowe has, I find, is that... <laughs> <laughs> I know, you wouldn't think there'd be a connection between Robert uh, Rob Zombie, and keep calling him Robert Zombie, I feel like his grandma, uh, Rob Zombie and Cameron Crowe, but Robert. both of them have this thing where they really want all of their lines to be quotable, like, where these lines just stick out, and he really wants them to be, like, big quotable lines, um, Cameron Crowe does this a lot, uh, we actually just, me and Carly the other day, we saw the first, like, 40 minutes of Jerry Maguire, and there's, like, 30 instances in the first four, it's almost an instance a minute in that I know. movie. I know. Um, but I think he's an interesting director. I think this movie definitely proves it. He is definitely an auteur. I don't necessarily know if that's always a good thing, but in a world like, um, not so like Don LaFontaine. <laughs> in a world where, in a world... <laughs> Where horror movies all seem the same, one man will rise. And he's very—he has a very no. unique style, and he makes interesting movies. And, unique, um, huh? Extremely unique, and he makes interesting movies that—that that even if they don't overall work, which the first uh, movie we're talking about, House of a Thousand Corpses, I don't think it does work. There's a lot there that I really like. 
Um, and it's especially House of Thousand Corpses, he sort of he wanted to do everything in one movie. It's like a kitchen sink approach, especially towards the last 15 minutes. Um, what yeah. did you think of House of Thousand Corpses, Jim? Well, let me just say up front that I am not a fan of Rob Zombie as no. a filmmaker. That's why we chose all. him uh, um, for our second episode. Yeah, based on my experiences, I have I, I had not seen a House of a Thousand Corpses up until a few days ago, and I've pretty much actively despised um, all three of his other movies. I was pleasantly surprised by House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, I wouldn't say. <laughs> Your computer agrees again. I wouldn't say I loved it. I wouldn't say I'd actively seek it out again. But for the mood I was in, it reminded me a lot of a movie that I would have liked even more when I was 16, 17, oh, yeah. renting Faces of Death kind of stuff at the video store and enjoying exploitation. At the time I was 16, Natural Born Killers was one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And... I was thinking that a lot when I was watching this movie again. Yeah, for, I mean, he's got like that these this insane is a cutaways. Teenager movie. Yeah, he's got these. Those, yeah, those sixteen millimeter cutaways. Yeah. that he uses to connect the film. They don't work at they're, all. No, <laughs> they're not entertaining. I mean, the thing about this is like I really enjoy watching Sid Haig. I think Captain Spaulding is a great character. Yes, and. I like the first thirty minutes of this. I'm like, am I really gonna like a Rob Zombie movie a lot? Yeah. But because it hangs a we, lot. Yeah, yeah. And I like the horror funhouse aspect of it. I like that it sort of pays homage to the Hammer Horror stuff a little bit. And like, How did it uh, pay homage to Hammer Horror? Well, I think That's it's... the last I, thing from my mind when I was I, watching this movie. I think it's got a little bit of that with just some of the opening credits and how it goes back to... Like the days of a movie like White Zombie, or right. just like his stylistic touches in this were a little bit more creative than in Devil's Rejects. Like there were cool things, like the use of color filters, and like sort of flashy things that in other movies I kind of find annoying, but for this it worked because of the mood he was trying to capture. And it felt like the humor was a little bit more absurd for me. Yes. And, you know, having characters like Rain Wilson in this helped. I mean, I don't a, think he's. Gr- a, I don't think he's great in it, but and I an think an overweight Chris Hardwick, which I yeah. didn't even recognize yep. from yep. Hard and Firm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's just things about this one that I enjoyed more. Yeah. I thought Karen Black was having a lot of fun. You thought that was Jennifer Coolidge. I, I thought it was thought. Jennifer. She looks the. They have the same kind of yes. lion woman. They look face. exactly. Yeah, they look very very similar. I could see how you can make that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jennifer Coolidge was not in Five Easy Pieces. That's the, the moment this movie sort of jumped the shark for me is when his wife appears on screen because I just I can't stand l- watching her. I can't stand looking at her ass crack. She's a uniformly I, horrible. She actress. should never set foot near a camera ever. Yeah, she doesn't belong in any of these movies, and unfortunately, she's in all of them. I think I just liked. I don't know. The the, the sense of humor was more in tune with me for this one, like having things like Ag- Agatha Crispy. Yeah, there's a moment where the, the, the seven t-shirts. foot six uh, monster Tiny is eating a bowl of cereal called Agatha Crispies. And yeah. first time I saw that, I died laughing. And I wasn't sure if there was a problem with um, the DVD I'd rented because the sh- there's a scene um, when uh, it's, it's the pause right before the cop gets shot. Yes, and that goes yeah, on for not... a very long time. That was that. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Yeah, clipping there. A um, little bit. Not bad. 
I uh, that is one of my favorite scenes, uh, in moments of of House of a Thousand Corpses. It is such a weird choice, and it does stretch so long. I imagined like seeing that in a movie theater, and he, and, and the soundtrack is completely silent. Um, the, yeah. the song I like that whole sequence. Uh, with I do the, too. With the song and the uh, slow motion assault on the cops who come to investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there's that one long crane shot that just keeps tracking back. And pauses, and it waits way too long. Way too long. And it has uncomfortably the, uh, so. It has the sideshow Bob rake rake theory, <laughs> um, where it it goes so long that it becomes great again. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine seeing that in the theater and just having everything going silent and just hearing the chatter, and then finally. I feel like I don't know. Rob Zombie is a. I appreciate what he's trying to do. I just don't think he does it very well, and. You know, the idea of him trying to capture what it's like to make, you know, because I feel like he's really enthusiastic about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, and the fact that he would put these really, really long documentaries on his DVDs shows that he's impassioned about the yeah. filmmaking he, process, he, but he, I feel like he's really sloppy with it. I don't, th- I don't know, even with Devil's Rejects, which has a lot more of a consistent tone, not none of those annoying cutaways or anything like that, it's less of a... F- funhouse horror show kind of a deal and more of a grindhouse exploitation movie and i found devil's rejects to be a lot more boring and lifeless and just not entertaining i don't know how you can call it lifeless just the editing style alone can't make it lifeless um the thing about uh, house of a thousand corpses is there's no story no um house of a thousand corpses came out before saw which is sort of the which officially rang in, sort of. I guess Hostel officially rang in because Saw started it and then Hostel confirmed it. The quote unquote torture porn genre, which is a horrible name that I don't like using, but. I um, agree. Uh, it doesn't. It, it, it's not true. It's not videodrome. It's not just people being chopped up. But if anything, House of Thousand Corpses is more of a torture porn movie because there's no story. Um, for a moment you see cops investigating things, but that quickly is over. And then there's like another 30 minutes of film of just people being tormented. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, for some reason I've, I'm, I have, I have an affinity for, for those types of horror films where people wind up in these predicaments that they're trapped in and they don't know how mm-hmm. to talk their way out of. And, you know, I mean, you can call it torture, but it's also just like, I like the chase element of it. Um, it worked a lot better for me in House of a Thousand Corpses, even though I don't think it's a great movie. Personally, I just found it more entertaining well, to watch. I, I'm not saying I was a fan of the way it wrapped things up when when Doctor Satan was revealed. Although I liked the sound design before Doctor Satan was revealed, I thought God, the weird last, score. The last fifteen. And by the way, we are going to spoil. Um, we are going to spoil this movie because it's over two years old, and it's not a movie that you can really spoil. There's no twist. No. Um, but the last fifteen minutes of this movie actually go around again where you get sort of tired of it all and then it becomes disturbing again where the girl gets chased down in the mm-hmm. rabbit costume yeah and is stabbed to death is really disturbing um yeah and i didn't think i could be disturbed by that point in the movie because i had it had just gone on for too long mm-hmm. but it really is and then a girl is lowered into an underground tunnel in which there are mud zombies <sighs> Right? Is that <laughs> yeah, it? There are people that rise from the mud and grab her at her, mm-hmm. and then there is this creature with a beak named Doctor Satan who's operating yeah. on people. 
and then there's an eight foot guy with an axe. At, like it yeah. makes no sense, and they're doing satanic chants up above. It is literally Rob Zombie throwing every goddamn thing at the wall. None of it sticks, no. but it leaves a hell of a mark on the wall. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, li- I mean, for some reason, I like that it was all over the map. Yeah, this time around, I appreciate that. I don't think Devil's Rejects is a good movie, but I appreciate. I mean, I don't think that House of Thousand Corpses, excuse me, is a good movie, but I appreciate that it does um, just. Throw in everything but the kitchen sink, and there's a. I think there's the kitchen sink there as well. Um, but I think, I think it's the a main difference, mm-hmm. um, and probably the problem that you might have uh, between House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects is at no point in House of a Thousand Corpses are we asked, asked to sympathize or identify with the the killer family. Right. They at no point do they become the main character. Like they're the main show. Like any horror movie you don't see it because you want to find out what happens to nancy you watch an El- nightmare on elm street because you want to know you want to watch freddy but freddy isn't the main character and they're not the main character they're not the protagonist of the story but in devil's rejects they are but what i find so interesting about devil's rejects is i find it at least twice as funny as house of a thousand corpses probably because there's twice as much sid Haig, who again is so great um Especially, I really love the scene with PJ Souls where uh, he attacks um, her and commandeers her car. Oh, honey, mommy has to get to work. If I'm late one more time, Mr. McDonald is going to can my ass. Yeah, oh, Will you get in the car? Okay, come on, let's go get in. Come on, a clown. Yeah, yeah, a clown. Uh-huh. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm going to have to be taking your car today. See, I have some top-secret clown business that supersedes any plans that you might have for this here vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) What's that about clown business? (laughs) Do I stutter, bitch? Jamie, get in the car. Lock the door. Where the hell you going? Damn it. Don't you never turn your back on a fucking clown when he's talking to you. Fucking hands off of me! Matter, kid, don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we fucking funny? You best come up with an answer, because I'm gonna come back here and check on you and your mama. If you ain't got a reason why you hate clowns, I'm gonna kill your whole fucking family. All right, now get your fucking ass out the car. It's such a horrible scene. It's pretty over the top. It is. Uh, and I, it makes me like uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, you find it a little bit more funnier because a little boy is being abused, and you find that funny. I I, I don't love abusing little boys. Because, <laughs> Not you personally, but you just well, like watching other is, people I do it. I believe they secretly like it. That's, oh, that's they like thing. the attention? Okay. They like the attention. That's all right, why. All right, all right, okay, that's why. Okay, okay, little okay. boys love attention. doesn't matter if it's through bad touch or what. Um, no, it's a fucking hysterical scene. It's one of a couple really, really funny scenes that almost dumbfound me because Rob Zombie's, like, really bad at dialogue, except when he isn't. And what I love about that scene is that he comes up with this stupid thing where he doesn't need to say anything. He can just punch her and take the car, but he comes up with this thing about secret clown business. 
And then he uh, keeps holding it throughout the entire thing. He goes, don't walk away when a clown's talking to you. And then he's yelling at the boy for not liking clowns. It is it's obvious. really funny. And Sid Haig is really great in it. Um, I, I give mad props to Sid Haig for his energy in this movie. Yeah. You know, he's That's, great. He's, but, he's, he's uh, so funny. Him and William Forsyth, I think, saved this movie from being a complete waste of time. No, you know what else is really worthwhile about this movie? Not much. No, Jim, you know what's really <laughs> worthwhile about this movie? All right, you remember Texas Chainsaw Massacre? How dirty yes. and grimy everything looked? Because it was all real, like they just found a house out in the middle of nowhere. And... This is definitely one of those movies where I want to take a shower yeah. after I watch it. You can smell this movie. It like, doesn't have smell vision though. The make, But I'm just saying, like, you don't need to have smell vision you, <laughs> you just see... Uh, Captain Spaulding's teeth and his beard and like this movie is every bit as dirty and grimy and real and gross as any kind of you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre um and it's it's really great in that sense I would that, not put this movie in the same I'm not ballpark. saying it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre I'm talking about the atmosphere Jim I'm talking about the okay. atmosphere okay it's 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 palpable, I like the way it's shot and it's amazing uh this this whole just dingy atmosphere and how it fits the moral tone and what I like about how funny it is is you know what one thing I noticed I was I was watching uh, I watched Mark's brother's movie Horse Feathers a couple of weeks ago and uh, one thing I sort of realized is that the Marx Brothers aren't merely like when people say that they're they're anarchy yeah I know computer um, when people say it's they're anarchic. It's not just that they make a lot of jokes very fast and they don't care about the plot. It's literally that they seem to exist to just destroy institutions and just to destroy sets they're on and everything. Uh, Horse Feathers especially, there's like scenes where Harpo's giving a policeman a ticket and shoveling books into a fire and just... Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, and like, I wouldn't trust Harpo around like a 12-year-old girl. Like, I'm not convinced that Harpo isn't capable of rape. I'm not convinced that Harpo wouldn't go overboard one day, murder someone, and then Groucho and Chico would just, like, sort of cover it up and then nonchalantly walk away. Um, I'm not saying... Somebody should do a mashup of Harpo and I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is this is that mashup. This is... the char- oh. Their characters <laughs> are not meant to be scary. Um, they're really just getting a kick out of being evil. And, I think and annoying... <laughs> The hotel scene is annoying to what's, watch. What's it's not terrifying. It's, it's, it's not really entertaining. Gross and uncomfortable to watch. The it's other, just... The other thing I think that Zombie uh, got that no other of the uh, quote-unquote torture porn people get is that a lot of what makes movies from the 70s and stuff like that really uncomfortable and hard to watch isn't the violence. It's the degradation. Um, and I don't think there's any real degradation in the Saw movies or Hostel. But, like, the degradation of the women um, in the hotel room scene. It's just really hard to watch, and it's really just nasty. I mean, you got this hot piece of ass shaking her shit right in front of you, and you're not getting any ideas? What do you call that? I'm a married man. (laughs) A married fucking man. Hey, that's just great. Well, let's give him a big round of applause, folks, for the married man. (laughs) You're just bored by what's saying. You're watching a woman being finger-banged with a but with a gun and you feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> because this is a numbing experience for me. The entire movie is 
Like, I feel like Rob Zombie is trying so hard that he's willing to do something like that to get your attention. And it does the, has the opposite effect for me. Completely. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of when I saw probably my least favorite movie of all time, Greg Araki's The Doom Generation, which to me is like nihilism, exploitation, trying so hard to be campy and surreal and failing because it's trying so hard. It's not like done organically. And I feel like Rob Zombie does the same thing in this movie. I'm definitely not going to say that he doesn't try. Like, the again... The, the the thing that he does where all of his lines have to sound quotable even if they make no sense um, to the point where they just... Like, a lot of his lines just seem nonsensical and stupid where he's... Yeah. Um, Sheriff Waddell is talking about uh, you're going to get yourself killed, toe-tagged, uh, wrapped up in a plastic bag or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's all, like, just lines that he wants to be really catchy and he wants to be like a Tarantino. And I don't think he succeeds all the time, but I think what's amazing about all. this movie, what I think is amazing about this movie is that he does succeed a lot of the time in really like a scene, especially pretty much anytime a movie critic is on screen, you know, it's going to be a bad scene because every time a movie critics on scene, you go, all right, here's the director going. He doesn't care what the critics think. It's all, <laughs> and it, it's, and it's always really self-indulgent and horrible. But he has probably the best film critic scene um, of any movie I've ever seen. I like the character of the film critic in Lady in the Water much more, but no this way. is a very entertaining scene, nonetheless. Yeah. <clears throat> Mr. Uh, Come on in, please. Sure. My it's a pleasure. I rushed right over as soon as I got your call. You came to the right man. I happen to be a self-proclaimed Marx Brothers expert, if I say so myself. Well, I'm sure your knowledge of bullshit is limitless. Why don't we get to the point? What do you got for me? Well, I, I got a fucking grocery list for you of all the major Marx Brothers characters and related characters, and I made a secondary list of any and all films having to do with Groucho, including such gems as A Girl in Every Port and Skidoo, where Groucho played the part of God. <laughs> directed by Otto Preminger, who happened to be Jewish, although he played a Nazi commandant in Stalag 17, directed by Billy Wilder. Otto Preminger also directed Exodus, and it's rumored that at the premiere, Mort Saul stood up, yelled at the screen, Otto, let my people go! It's ironic, don't you think? Nazi, state of Israel. They're all here. All the aliases. Rufus Firefly, Otis Driftwood, Captain Spaulding, all of them. Hey, Chief. You know, I'm thinking we ought to track down this Groucho Marx guy. <laughs> Ask him a few questions. Uh, Maybe he's involved. Idiot. He died last year. He died. Oh, God damn it. God damn it. See, that right there is one sad, pathetic state of cinematic affairs. If you weren't a cop, I'd wring your neck. Hey, hey, let's take that down a notch. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. This sneering, rotating, gyrating pelvis son of a bitch. He died three days before Groucho stole all the goddamn headlines. That goddamn fucking Elvis Presley. Say about the king. <laughs> I said he died three days before Grouch! Son, you ever say another derogatory word about Elvis Aaron Presley in my presence again? I will kick the living shit out of you! You get this Hollywood loving pussy out of my face. Elvis was in Hollywood! <laughs> His first film, Love Get Out, was based on an Irish folk song. See, now I like that. Fuck Groucho! <laughs> I like that scene. Oh, That's good. God. 
That is the. It's the again, only time I really like this movie. <laughs> and, and again, it is the it is the um, end all be all critic scene of it in that it doesn't fit. It has it adds really nothing to the movie, um, and it is pretty much just probably why I liked it. Film critics because it stands out from everything else. Because you hated the movie so much, anything that didn't fit in this movie yes. you automatically like more. Yes. Huh. I mean, I appreciate. Like what he's doing, I really you do. Don't fi- but but you don't I, find he's not adding. He's uh, not adding anything new. I think the characters are so much. The other thing I struck in by when I, because I hadn't seen House of Thousand Corpses in a little bit, is how much better, like how much more developed. Even the makeup effects are better on the characters in uh, Devil's Rejects. Sure, than the House production of values are better. Well, my point is, you find these characters so annoying. What? Why don't you find them annoying in House of a Thousand Corpses? Because to me, it's. The, like I said, it's all over the map in a way that's, you know, stylistically different in spots. And the and I like the first half hour because we don't get to people like Sherry Moon Zombie or um, what's the guy with the long hair's name? Uh, Bill Mosley. Yeah. Who played... Uh, uh, do, do, doesn't do much to me once we get to the house. I really, like, don't find those characters all that interesting to watch. I don't find their exploits that shocking really i mean in either movie i just i feel like when i watch these movies it's almost how i feel when i watch from dust till dawn where i'm appreciating it on one level and then on the other side of the like i feel it's not working because it's trying to pay homage so much to grindhouse movies like it's not naturally doing it in the way something like death proof did at all and like i said i think with with something there's no context necessarily behind what's taking place and and it's not fun and and it's 9-11 movie (laughs) i didn't read into it that way this is total well i mean all torture porn is Post nine eleven. I mean, exploitation that... films don't have to have context other right. than just to the, be fun this, this and and this... entertaining. I realize that, but it's I don't find it funny. I don't find it visually interesting. You know, and it's certainly not shocking. I don't think you're really a fan of like seventies exploitation. I am. I think that's it. What like what? Death Wish, Master of the Flying Guillotine, Pom Pom Girls, uh, Russ Meyer movies. All right, but this is those are completely different forms of exploitation. Than like the I ones feel like he, what, exactly computer. These are completely I feel different like, forms of exploitation. That's like saying that you like. I don't know like how you saying, could like. I don't know how you could like Devil's Rejects and not like Last House on the Left. No, because Last House on the Left is completely ineptly made with a horrible. Well, that's how acting. I feel about Devil's Rejects. But it, yeah, but it's not true. I mean, come on. What, what can you say about the fucking ending of this movie? The ending's it's horrible. shit. Yeah, the it's really completely bad. anticlimactic and dumb. It's just fucking let's how ironic. Let's play Freebird at the end of this movie, and that's what I feel like Rob Zombie is doing. He's constantly winking, constantly no, winking. There's not so, a lot of winking. like a lot of consciously, you know, um, rehearsed things hey, that feel forced. Hey Jim, the whole movie feels forced. Hey Jim, what do you like? Black Dynamite? Yeah, winking. That's fun. <laughs> like black exploitation, it's fun. You don't think House of a Thousand Corpses is winking? Nah, maybe, maybe a little bit more. I mean, what, why can't I find one movie entertaining and the other not? I'm not saying you can't. I'm just finding your reasons to be feeble, feeble, like Meet the, the Grandpa. Feebles. No, which is that's sort of an exploitation movie. Yeah. 
That's more my kind of exploitation movie. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know about you, Jim. It's okay. I know. You don't have to know. I think you went in with a negative attitude. I don't think you really know the power of positive thinking. I had, I had walked into Devil's Rejects the first time I saw it, not seeing a Rob Zombie movie yet. Mm-hmm. And the person I was with felt exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And she's a fan of exploitation movies, a fan of horror movies, and just thought it was shit. It thought it was ineptly put together. And not at all... I mean, when we talk about the hotel scene, again... <laughs> I'm I'm watching it and I'm like he's trying so hard that he's doing these things he's having you know the the woman go down on him and whatnot, and am I supposed to be shocked by that? Is that the intention? What would you find shocking? I would put that. <laughs> what, okay, what something scene in has Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What, what scene has ever shocked you? Because that scene to me is as... lots of Texas Chainsaw Massacre shocks me. Uh, like you what? know. Od- like like the brother raping his sister and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. That was shocking. Um, lots of things are shocking to me. But nothing in this movie is because his, he, his, intention, his intention behind the camera is like, I'm doing, this, I'm doing this to shock you. That's what he's doing. I don't think that's it at all. Hmm. What he's more interested in is the way that um, you you relate to Waddell and then you relate to them and then you relate to Waddell, but you didn't like it to begin with. So you didn't get any of that, but it's totally about shifting who the protagonist and who the antagonist is. Okay. And it's really interesting the way he does that. Um, you didn't, you weren't on board at the beginning, so you weren't on board for those, you know, changes. Um, I thought William Forsyth was great. Right. But yeah. All right. And he's, you know, he's doing the Michael Parks thing. And he's doing it well in that movie. I think he's being an over-the-top sheriff, and I found him entertaining to watch because he's taking it very seriously. I felt like the tones just didn't match up. I uh, feel like he's trying to be loud and crazy, and the but and like much but like House the Halloween corpses, the tones match up great. I feel like the the, the, the over all over the map feel in House of a Thousand Corpses is more fun because. I don't know if it's just like having different colors or different styles or having like the the fun house, you know, feel I just, to I it. I find it funny cuz like the one thing that really strikes me about this movie is that it can be so horrible and so funny and never once did I feel that the except like maybe the end where he tries to give the fake redemptive uh rebel ending at the end which is the horrible but like it Bonnie never and felt, Clyde it never felt totally different. Yeah, he's doing the Bonnie and Clyde thing which didn't work at all, but No. But I, I felt it was very tonally consistent, which really surprised me. And, in, and in fact, in Natural Born Killers, that you're supposed to side with the killers or Robert Downey Jr. Or is like, he, that's Oliver Stone. And even to some extent, like in something like what, you know, I'm trying to think of another example off the top of my head, but we'll erase that. <laughs> you don't want to erase that. Jim, I want to ask you just two more a couple more follow-up questions. Yeah. <laughs> is, do you, what do you think is a better movie? The Devil's Rejects or Rob Zombie's Halloween? Because uh, Halloween is one of the worst movies ever. I think both of them are. I think both of his remakes are shit. Both Halloweens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Halloween I would watch... is, is a little better because it's a little sillier. I would watch Devil's Rejects again before I would watch Halloween. Yeah. Or Halloween 2. Yeah. Okay. 
I just want to make sure. Yeah. Because uh, it's got Sid Haig at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if you put maybe if you would have put Sid Haig in the hotel scene. I don't know. I just didn't like the acting. Yeah. I just didn't. You know, and I'm not I know what's gonna happen. They're all gonna die. What why should I care? Why should I care about this woman? Why should I care about somewhere? Okay. Okay. You don't have to. Let's get really, really spiteful and angry. I think that'd be really entertaining. We did, kind of. Yeah, I know. I kind of don't like you very much You're, anymore. You were coming at me with claws. I was. Yeah. It was kind of fun. I think this is the last episode of the podcast ever. Yeah. Because we hate each other this so much now. Guys, stay tuned. Well, I mean, if this is the last episode, this won't. Because we're going to do Stay Tuned next with Jim yeah. Ritter. <laughs> That's what Can we're going to we? do. Yeah. Oh, my God. After this episode, we need something else. Like I said, we need to do something light, the most, yeah, the most, fun, a little I, less I really gross. Lo- I really do love you, Jim. You're completely I wrong. I love you, too. But I love you. That's okay. Yeah. I mean... I don't have a strong case other than to say I don't find it entertaining. Right. You know, I mean, you can justify why Devil's Rejects is a good movie. Definitely. You can you can sit Which there and is. do that. Okay. It's a good movie. I can buy that. But I, I feel that way about somewhere. Yeah, it's true. I think it's a good movie. That's true, you do. Yeah. And it's up to the viewers, you know, like you can you can go either way. Hell, you can love Devil's Rejects and somewhere. No. That's actually You can. Uh, no, that I'll was, let um, you. That was Newton's uh, fourth law of physics. You can't you can't I would, love somewhere in Devil's Rejects. But let me just say for the record, I think <laughs> From Dust Till Dawn is what kind of Devil's Rejects wanted to be. No, not at all. Dust Till Dawn is Dust not Till Dawn dark. wanted to be There's Evil Dead. There's dark and nihilistic about Dust, about Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. But that's the what scene Devil's where Rejects George, is. The scene with George Clooney and the woman in the hotel room is a million times stronger than the scene in Devil's Rejects. Because it's got a stronger script, and I buy that George Clooney is a menacing character in that movie. Far more than Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. I think Sherry Moon Zombie is just fucking obnoxious. Yes, she is. Yeah. We will agree there. Yeah. She's the worst. Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees. Look at these. <laughs> With open heart. Is there another director who's, like, who's part of his MO has so strongly been, check out my wife's hot body? Judd <laughs> Apatow? That's right. There's Judd Apatow. Rob Zombie, I haven't seen all of Fellini's movies. There might be some of those <laughs> yeah. movies where she gets naked. Mm, yeah, that's kind of uh, true. Lestrade, that wasn't what Lestrade was, but... No. Um, God. You know... Woody? Car- okay, so my girlfriend is in the room, and she's whispering something. Carly, what were you saying? Sam Mendes, also. Uh, yeah. That's right! Yeah. That's right. Kate, Win- Kate Winslet, Sam Mendes. God, you want to bring up another argument? This is like the nonstop argument yeah. show. I, she had to I bring do want up to Revolutionary Road. Got a little vicious. Uh, we don't actually hate each other. Um, no, because he's going to order a pizza for me. That's true. He's going to give me a back massage. Jim is going to upload this to the internet. We are at the hour mark. Yeah. So you we liked, can sort you of. Liked uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, kind of. I did. I kind of like it too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's more of a B movie than Devil's Rejects. Yes, I really is. do. It's definitely more... Now, whether or not we agree about whether that's a good thing, that's something different, but it... It's okay. Yeah. I forgive hey, you. Jim? <laughs> but uh, Halloween it's, it's, remake is shit? Yes. Halloween remake is shit. I think Halloween 2 is even worse. Oh, there's another argument. I think well, Halloween no, I 2 just, is better. Well, the thing is, I'll, I'll state up front, I haven't rewatched Halloween or Halloween 2. Yeah. I've seen Devil's Rejects twice, but yeah. Halloween and Halloween 2, I just... 
flat out despised because yeah. he took out all the subtlety that John Carpenter infused at least into the first one. You know, I was I was thinking it's like um, do you remember you remember Ron Howard's The Grinch where he's like oh, he goes back into the Grinch's childhood. It's like, well, everyone made fun of the Grinch. Let's find out why. Yeah, and it's like, who cares? Oh, yeah, who cares? Why can't he just be the boogeyman? He's just the boogeyman. God damn it! We and, don't need fucking sh- Cherry Moon Zombie going. Shut the fuck up! Oh, and you the, and fucking, the fucking bitch! Dude, there was this one. There's this great scene in uh, Halloween too, where he lifts up a car. And it reminds me of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, where he pull, like, pulls the phone booth out off the floor. Uh huh. And it's like, wow, this is what you think is scary, the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, it's failed. That those, I don't know. I, I'm really excited to see. what Let me just next. say this up front yeah. to end things. Well, I, do you, I will happily sit through the next Rob Zombie movie with yeah. you in yeah. the theater. Yeah. But I'm dreading that day. <laughs> I'm completely dreading that day. But anyway, I think next week will be a little less confrontational. That's true. It'll be a little bit more fun. We haven't decided the director, have we? I think we have, actually. Oh, that's right. We sort of uh, dwindled down no, our that's list. that's right. Yeah. And um, we came up with a, with a director that I'm quite fond of. Me too? Yeah. So we're going to go with Terry Gilliam. Yes. Um, Terry W. Gilliam. Yeah, former Monty Python member. Mm-hmm. Animator. Animator, yeah, brilliant animator. And uh, an all-around fun guy who can't seem to get uh, the um, Don Quixote movie ever made. Ironically. Yeah, very ironic. Didn't Orson Welles try the same thing? Yeah, it's also ironic. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, next week we're going to do Terry Gilliam, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, fun. thanks for sticking word. with us uh, through the roar. Yeah. I think that was fun, too, really. Yeah, it was fun. Cause I get nervous, though, with confrontation. Yeah, like, no, I, I, got still, a little, I got a little nervous, too. I was like, mm, yeah, Patrick's going to come at but me. But I think it's going to be fun <laughs> is whether or not you like Devil's Rejects, I think you got a strong argument. Uh, on this podcast. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's all up to the listeners. You're going to watch it regardless of what we say. Listen. Or listen. Now watch it, too. Are we going to do a video podcast next, Jim? Jim, can we do a <laughs> maybe video a, podcast? Maybe for our one-year anniversary or something. I don't think we should do it too soon. People don't want to see our ugly faces. Carly just called us ugly assholes. She was so quiet this whole time. Yeah, she's the meanest Little girlfriend girl I've ever seen. Little girls should be seen, not heard. Sorry about that. Same with little boys, because otherwise they're going to get yelled at by Captain Spaulding. Oh, that seems so good. All it's, right. it's pretty good. All right, thanks everybody for listening to the Directors Club podcast. This episode was a little bit longer, um, but we had a lot of arguing to get through. So yes. hope you enjoyed it. See you next week. Please visit us at directorsclubpodcast.com, twitter.com slash dcpodcast. Hopefully nobody thinks that's about Washington, D.C. Yeah. But um, I couldn't get I couldn't Columbia. I couldn't get Directors Club podcast all into the URL. Right. So we'll stick with DC podcast. Visit us and subscribe in iTunes. And uh, thank you very much for listening. All right. Good night. Night. Shut the fuck up, oh, you fucking bitch! I mean, come on. What, what can you say about the fucking ending of this movie? The it's horrible. shit. It's shit! It's shit!